Hi, I'm Amanda Sewell, and I'm one of the producers of Classical Sprouts. If you love this podcast, please donate to help Sprouts continue to grow. Go to classicalsprouts.org slash donate. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. What is this musical instrument we're hearing? This is the Moog Synthesizer, and today we're going to learn about the album that made the Moog Synthesizer famous, Switched On Bach. Get ready to tune in and switch on for this episode of... Classical Sprouts! Welcome to Classical Sprouts, the awesome classical music podcast for kids. I'm your host, Kate Botello. Before we get into our episode, let's start off with a little Quizlet question. The creator of Switched on Bach, Wendy Carlos, grew up in this state, nicknamed the Ocean State, and known for a kind of clam called a quahog. What state is it? The creator switched on Bach, Wendy Carlos, grew up in this state, nicknamed the Ocean State, known for a kind of clam called the quahog. What state is it? We'll give you a hint for this quizlet after the break today, and the answer at the end of the episode. So stick around. Today on Classical Sprouts, we are looking at music from Wendy Carlos, Switched on Bach. And to learn about this, we invited our good friend, Dr. Amanda Sewell, musicologist, on the show. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kate. Hi, Sprouts. So Amanda is the music director here at Interlochen Public Radio, and she is the author of a biography about Wendy Carlos. So let's set the scene. Switched on Bach was a really important album in the history of electronic music, But what did that music sound like before her, Amanda? Well, electronic music in the 1950s sounded, well, it sounded really computery. It sounded like a lot of chirps and bleeps and bloops. It was really kind of difficult to listen to. And it turns out it was actually really difficult to make as well. The types of synthesizers that people were using were... Like old computers, if you've seen pictures of them where they fill up an entire room, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of machine that you had to use to make this music. So really the only way you could get access to these types of synthesizers was through a university like Columbia University in New York. And then the music that came out was really strange and abstract too. Like this piece that we're listening to right now by Milton Babbitt. This was pretty typical of what electronic music sounded like in the 1950s. Wow. Everybody sing! Yeah, (laughs) it's not not really getting your toes tapping, is it? Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, but, But a lot of that did change, right? It started changing in the 1960s. Yeah, so one major thing that changed in the 1960s was that synthesizers got smaller and they got more affordable. There was a fellow named Bob Moog who created what was called a modular synthesizer, and that could fit on a tabletop. It didn't take up an entire room of your laboratory. And Bob Moog's modular synthesizer was, well, it wasn't cheap, 
but it was certainly a lot less expensive than these giant synthesizers that had to go to universities. So I would assume then that Wendy Carlos got one of those, right? She did. She knew Bob Moog personally, and in fact, she actually helped him refine the design of his Moog modular synthesizer as well. Once she figured out how to use it, what kind of music did she decide to make with it? So the background here is that Wendy Carlos actually went to Columbia University and used one of those giant room-sized expensive synthesizers to make that really abstract chirpy bleep bloop music but she didn't like it she didn't like how it sounded she knew that people didn't really want to listen to it at least not people outside of the university laboratory so she wanted to make music that people might actually enjoy listening to (laughs) on a much larger scale So she used the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. On this Moog synthesizer, she thought, you know, this is good music. People like it. It's familiar to them. The sound of the synthesizer, though, is less familiar. At the time, it was really strange and new and surprising. So she thought, let's use music that people already know on an instrument that maybe they don't and help them get an idea of what this instrument sounds like and what it can do. So this is a little bit of music of Bach, his Symphonia to Cantata number 29. Here it is played by an orchestra. And now here's the version that Wendy Carlos created of that piece using the Moog synthesizer. Okay, that makes sense. We hear something we know really well, but with new sounds. Now, these sounds are really unique and interesting. How did the Moog synthesizer work? So the the Moog synthesizer was really, really complicated. I think the best way to compare it to something you know is, remember those old telephone operator scenes where they were pulling cords and poking them in every every which way? Hold, please, and, and reconfiguring everything. That's kind of how the synthesizer worked, this this Moog modular synthesizer, to create one single note. Each individual note required its own unique configuration of patch chords. So this was an unbelievably time-consuming process. So Wendy Carlos would get everything configured, create one note, record it, and then go and reconfigure everything to make the next note and record that. So she had to record every note individually and then go back and put them all together to create these lines of music that you're hearing. Wait, so that's like taking apart your entire stereo every time you want to hear one note of music and putting it back together again? Yeah, each note required its own completely different setup. Wow, so she was a very powerful artist making this work. (laughs) She was very committed. She spent a lot of time making this album work. And but you listen and it sounds it sounds effortless. You would never guess how much labor 
went into this piece of music. So she does a lot more than just like play the synthesizer. Oh, yeah. And I want to be clear that like she is not playing the synthesizer in a way that that later artists would. She's using the synthesizer to create sounds and then configuring those sounds to create the music that we're hearing. There's actually a really cool video of Wendy Carlos demonstrating how the Moog synthesizer works, and you can find it on the Classical Sprouts website for this episode at classicalsprouts.org. So imagine this hardworking, brilliant artist, Wendy, one note at a time. She created an entire album of box music using this Moog synthesizer one note at a time. And it's hard to comprehend now because I can grab my phone and with three taps and a swipe, I can create an entire composition as well and remix it and send it to all of my friends in an hour. And in an hour, she might have been able to make, I don't know, three or four notes and put them together for this album. Wow, that is fabulous. More about Wendy Carlos in a minute coming up after the break, the success of Switched on Bach and why Wendy Carlos refused to meet Leonard Bernstein. Plus a hint for the Quizlet. Hi, I'm Keith Brown, and I'm the host of Gameplay. Every week on the show, I celebrate the amazing world of video game music with everything from beloved classics to brand new soundtracks. You can stream episodes at our website, gameplayshow.org. I hope you'll join me for this adventure. Welcome back to Classical Sprouts. We'll talk more about Switched on Bach after we check in with our Quizlet. Wendy Carlos, the creator of Switched on Bach, grew up in this state, nicknamed the Ocean State, and also known for a kind of a clam called a quahog. Hmm, here's another hint. This is the smallest of all 50 United States. What state is it? We'll tell you at the end of the episode, so stick around. Welcome back to Classical Sprouts, the awesome classical music podcast for kids. We are talking about Wendy Carlos and Switched on Bach with Dr. Amanda Sewell. Amanda, what did people think about this album when it came out? Well, I'll tell you, Kate, everybody, Wendy Carlos, her record label, her friends, they thought, oh, this is just a fun little project that'll get out there. And if it sells a few hundred copies, great. And it was just kind of an experiment. But that is not what happened. This album was a smash success. Like it was, it was huge when it came out in 1968. Okay, what kind of, how huge are we talking about here? Okay, it was the best-selling classical music album for three years straight. Three years straight, it was at the top of the classical <laughs> charts. And not only that, it spent some time on the pop charts. In fact, at one point in 1969, it was 
holding its own on the pop charts. It was in the number four spot behind Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I'm not scared of dying, and I don't really care. The hair soundtrack. When the moon is in the seventh house And Jupiter aligns with Mars And Iron Butterfly's album, Ball. Be your And Classical Sprouts, if you ask the grown-ups in your life who were alive in the 1960s, I bet a lot of them remember hearing Switched on Bach for the very first time. There was just nothing like it out there, and it just blew a lot of people's minds because they'd never heard anything like this before. Wow. Brand new invention, but with familiar music. That is so cool. Okay, so for something so popular, usually people copy it. Were there knockoffs? Oh my gosh, they were awful. There were so many terrible, horrible knockoffs of Switched on Bach. The good thing for Bob Moog, inventor of the synthesizer, was that everybody wanted to buy one. But then, oh my gosh, the music they made with them was so terrible. Luckily, most of these are out of print right now. Uh, but we're listening to a little bit of one of those. They just, they just were awful. Um, people covered pop artists. They tried to do other classical music. And there was one about like a plastic cow and just, just awful, awful, awful. So like anything that's really great and trendy, a lot of people are going to try to copy it and generally nobody's going to do it as well as the original. Well, there you have it. Now, Amanda, this was a super famous album that had huge influence, but Wendy Carlos herself didn't seem to be enormously famous. And in fact, when I looked at the vinyl album, because my parents had it, there was a different name on the record. What is all that about? Wendy Carlos didn't go out and do a big publicity tour, did she? No, and this was probably pretty detrimental to her. Um, the thing that happened is that right at the same time that Switched on Bach came out, Wendy Carlos transitioned to female. And because she didn't think Switched on Bach was going to be a big thing, it wasn't it wasn't really a huge deal that this male name was on the album when it came out. And then all of a sudden, overnight, this album is a smash hit. Everybody wants to know about the Moog synthesizer. Everybody wants to talk to the creator of Switched on Bach. And that name on the album is not her. <laughs> So then what happens, Amanda, when everybody wants to meet Wendy Carlos, but no one can find her? <laughs> well, first of all, they didn't know it was Wendy Carlos that they wanted to meet. They thought it was someone else whose name was on the album. She she went into hiding. She didn't appear publicly. She didn't give any interviews for two reasons. One, this is 1968, 1969. The idea of being a transgender person in the public eye was terrifying for anyone who was transgender. She was legitimately afraid 
for her life, for her physical safety, if people knew that she was transgender. So that was a huge part of why she didn't disclose that information. Another one was that she was also concerned that if she did tell people about her gender, that that would be all they would focus on. They wouldn't be thinking about the album anymore, about the music, about the art, but instead they would just be focusing on this one aspect of the person who created the album. So as a result, she went into hiding and she communicated mainly through writing and through the name that she wasn't even using anymore that had appeared on on that album. Is this why she did not want to talk to Leonard Bernstein? By the way, uh, Leonard Bernstein, really important composer, presenter of music, conductor, all of the things. Uh, Why didn't she want to talk to him? Well, for the same reason, Leonard Bernstein actually reached out to her and invited her to be on uh, an episode of the Young People's Concerts, talking specifically about the Moog synthesizer. And she didn't do it because she would have had to reveal who she actually was. One time Stevie Wonder went to her house looking for the creator of Switched on Bach. And she says she hid from him because she didn't feel safe letting people know who she was. So unfortunately, because it wasn't safe for her to disclose who she was... She missed out on some really amazing collaboration opportunities. It's a real tragedy when you think about it. That is so sad. What did she end up doing? What did she do? Well, throughout the 70s, she kept putting music out under the name that was on Switched on Bach. And she did get a few opportunities. For example, um, she did the soundtrack to the film A Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick. Sprouts, this is a very, very scary movie that even I am very scared when I watch it. So just be mindful of that. Yeah, just trust us on what we say about that. That's not a Yeah, movie. the music is great. The movie is scary, scary, scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she did more albums like Switched on Bach, more classical music. But eventually, in 1979, she finally disclosed and she said hello my name is wendy carlos and i am actually the person behind these albums so she has been out as herself since the late 1970s and it's great because now she's been able to reissue all of her albums with her actual name on them and give interviews and appear publicly as herself so we're all going to be big Wendy Carlos fans now. And now that we know a bunch about her and hooray, here she is. We're going to run to Spotify, right? Or YouTube or something and listen to her music. But, eh, but Amanda. I know. It's not there. It's not there. So if you're a Wendy Carlos fan, you have to be really determined to find her music. Um, her music all went out of print in the late 1990s. And she owns it. And... She has chosen not to reissue it on any digital platform. So it's not available in iTunes to download. Uh, It's not available on any streaming sources. It's not available on YouTube. If anybody tries to put it up there, she files a, a copyright notice and it gets taken down immediately. So she is very particular about her music not being on any of those digital sources. So where can we find it? I would suggest the library because a lot of public libraries will still have the CDs of her music out there. 
So you may have to go old school or maybe even go to a record shop and look for vinyl issues of Wendy Carlos's albums from the 60s and 70s. Wow. Well, I hope you find them. They will be treasures. Dr. Amanda Sewell, thanks for sharing all this fantastic information and music switched on Bach is so neat. Now we know stuff about Wendy Carlos. Thank you. Now, since you're here, why don't we have you answer our Quizlet for this episode? We've been asking, Wendy Carlos grew up in this state, nicknamed the Ocean State, known for a kind of clam called a quahog, the smallest state in the United States. What's the answer? Do I get... Oh, I wanted to do the drum roll. Go for can it. Can I do the drum roll? You okay, bet. thanks. We can do it together. Oh, okay. Okay. Go. It's Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Congratulations. Now you know. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode where we met Wendy Carlos, we heard some switched on Bach, we learned about the Moog synthesizer. If you want to listen to more, as Amanda said, go to the library. You have been listening to Classical Sprouts, the awesome classical music podcast for kids. This episode was produced by Emily Duncan Wilson with support from Amanda Sewell. Our digital content manager is Casey Brown, and I'm your host, Kate Botello. We'll see you next time. Bye!